Um, so I'm Bunny Hunt, and this is my husband, Alan. And we lead a small group on every other Monday night. And first of all, we kind we kind of call it family. We call it, you know we don't call it really a small group. Our family comes over, and uh, doors unlock. They come in, kick their shoes off, make themselves at home. We have a meal. We always bring all add together and do a great meal together. Um, so the first forty five minutes, we just kind of socialize and chat and get to talk and that's pretty cool and then we sit down for an hour and really get into god's word um and it's uh it, it's a wonderful time we really um you know we reach out to each other we pray for each other and um we're very blessed to have our family yeah it's become our favorite day of the week sundays are like yeah you know <laughs> so we look forward to sorry we look forward to mondays um, but, but like Bunny was saying, we, our home is for everyone. We have a pantry. You can go into our pantry and you need something, take it. Take it home with you, whatever you need. We, that, was, that was what we asked God was to give us something we can use for his people here when we move to this area. So we have young, we have older, and then we have us <laughs> above that spectrum. So we have a great time. Um, we share prayer requests. Uh, we keep up with each other. We have a never-ending text that thread that runs, and sometimes it gets a little crazy, but, you know, it's all about keeping up with your family because we learned years ago if something happens to you, if you're in a church, something happens to someone in your family and the church doesn't show up to support you, maybe it's because the church didn't know what was wrong. Maybe the church didn't know someone in your family needed help. So think about small groups. It's a good time. We had a couple of new members show up Monday night that we thoroughly enjoyed back there. So thank you guys. Um, but we'll be around after the service. Um, Bunny doesn't do anything afterwards. I do. And um, so we'll be around to talk. So You'll pay for that later. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I will. So um, if I can, I'm going to pray us into this message today. So if you would bow your head or keep your head up and keep your eyes open. I like to do that sometimes because it's, it, it helps me to see what the Holy Spirit might be seeing and telling me to, to, uh, to reach out to someone. You have to be in tune and it comes from your heart. Okay. Daddy, thank you for this time. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for everybody sitting in a chair this morning. You know what they're going through. We don't. We don't have to know. But if you want us to know, we will. Just tell us who to pray for, how to pray for them. We love everyone here, especially our pastor and his family. We love these guys so much. We thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. And thank you for Jesus and the breath of life. Amen. Amen. I tell you, Alan and Bunny are people that came to the Bridge Church, and uh, actually a cool story is, is they uh, were at the church that I was a student pastor at before we came out here to plant. We came out here to start this church, the Bridge Church, and they moved down here uh, years later, but they have just been a godsend uh, because of their heart for the gospel, their heart for people, and if you've been coming to our church for 
uh, more than a week. You probably already have met them. They've probably already prayed for you, prayed for your family, and they've found some way to encourage you. So thank you guys so much. They're one of our small group leaders. They uh, kind of do a little bit of everything here at the Bridge Church, but uh, leading small groups is such a big deal. Uh, they just pour their lives into other people. And there's about nine other groups like theirs that are going on inside of our church. And uh, we would love to invite you into one of those groups because small groups is where Sunday morning we get all of these people, but in the small groups you get to be a little bit smaller. And you get to sit in not rows, but circles. And you really get to know each other's lives, really get to ask questions and dive into what God's Word says and all of those different pieces. And so uh, if you're interested in a small group, we have the pamphlets that are right there at the, in your seat. You can look through those different nights of the week. That may fit better for you. They're online. They're also, we have a planning center app if you didn't know about. You can find those on there and you can sign up on any one of those ways. Stop by the Connect Center, ask questions, whatever that may be, and then uh, we'll jump right in. But my name is Daniel Kaznev. I'm the pastor here at the Bridge Church. And uh, last week, Tim Hayes gave the word and did a phenomenal job, right? Thank you, Tim. Yes. We are constantly surrounded by different levels. This uh, detailed, complex kind of mirage of different kinds of relationships, right? We may have an intimate relationship with our spouse or somebody we're in a relationship with. And then maybe we have, we're a parent. Or maybe then we have coworkers that we have relationships with. Or maybe we're a student and we have friends that we're trying to navigate. And then there's another layer of people who may not know Christ, who may not know God, who may not believe the way that we believe or live the way that we live, but God still called us to live in relationship to them, right? So that we can share the gospel with them. And so there's this different level and complexity of relationships. How do we navigate it all? What does it look like? And the question for you and the question for me is, anytime we look at an aspect of our life, we have to go, okay, what does God say about this? If we truly want to build a healthy relationship, if we truly want to experience the fulfilling kind of love in our life, we've got to go back to the designer, right? We have to go back to the creator. If I wanted to know how my watch worked, right? I need to go back to the manufacturer and I need to read the details on that. In fact, and for us, we'll probably just look at YouTube, right? And look at these things. But still, we need to go back and look at those details, of who created us so that we can fully understand how are we supposed to navigate this? What does this look like? And I really have been praying and I want this series to be very practical so that we can actually see, okay, the Bible says this, but what does it look like on Monday? And so the series is going to continue to build because we're going to be talking about things like conflict because people are messy. Right? Like, like things happen and conflict's going to happen. You're going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. And it's, it's bound to happen because sin is on this earth and nobody is perfect. There's not one person that's going to walk through these doors that is perfect and you're going to live their lives in a, in a manner where they're not going to need to go, you know what? I messed up. I'm sorry. You know, where do we go from here? So how do we navigate? The Bible tells us that. He tells us how to navigate conflict. The Bible tells us how to reconcile. The Bible tells us how to forgive. The Bible tells us how we are supposed to navigate our family life. What does that look like, right? How do we navigate our co-workers? And today, I'm going to build into this to say, what is one of the foundational things that God calls us to do so that we can live in unity, so that we can live as 
one. How can we come together in this? And if you have your Bibles, I love the Bible. That's where all the power is. That's where all the authority is, right? So in Philippians chapter 2, we see a picture, a roadmap. I love the illustration of a picture. Because it's like Scripture holds this picture up and God is painting this picture and we're able to hold this picture up in our life and look at our lives and look at our relationships and then go back to the picture and go, oh, okay, I need to do this, I need to do that so I can get closer to this picture, right? And so Philippians chapter 2 really gives us a picture of what unity, of walking together in strength and in power so that we can experience this fulfilling life with the relationships that are around us. Everybody still with me? Everybody feeling good? If you're not feeling good, we're going to dive into Philippians chapter 2, right? And just ask God to speak to our hearts and speak to us here today. And so, uh, as we dive into Philippians chapter 2, God gives us the ingredients for healthy relationships. So He's going to tell us here, you need to add this, you need to pay attention to this, you need to understand what this is. And Philippians is a fascinating book because it's written by a man named Paul. And Paul, if you don't know, if you don't know anything about Paul, is he was a guy who chased after and murdered Christians. So he was, he was basically a terrorist who came after Christians. And he would go all over the countryside as a Jewish leader, not believing that Jesus was the Messiah. And he had all of this zeal and all of this hunger to stop and eliminate the Christian movement that was happening. Well, he was headed to Damascus one day, a city in uh, the Middle East area. And as he was headed there, the Lord struck him down off his horse and he hit the ground. And Jesus called out to Paul and said, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me. I love that piece of theology, right? That piece of picture. He's persecuting the church and Jesus goes, why are you persecuting me? That's my body. What what are you doing, Paul? And he realizes that Jesus is real, that God is real here in this moment, that Jesus is the Messiah and he gives his life to Jesus and his life is turned upside down and then inspired by the Holy Spirit, he writes two-thirds of the New Testament. We see over and over again, he starts multiple churches, raises up leaders, and just continues to do that and be a church father to all of these churches that are started here at the beginning we see in the book of Acts. But Paul is writing to a church that he helped start in Philippi. And another fascinating layer to this this letter of Philippians is that Paul is in prison. So he is in chains because he would not stop preaching the gospel. He was telling people about Jesus and they said, hey, you better stop. And he kept going and then they threw him in prison because when Paul would go in and and start to preach, uh, there would be things like he would cast out demons and there were people who were like fortune telling and he would cast a demon out and then they would be mad because no, they wouldn't have the money from the fortune telling before, right? Like he's turning cities literally upside down. He would share the gospel with people and they were in prostitution and different things like that and then so the people who own that person would come and go what did you do to them what what are you doing they're they're saying they're quitting they're leaving their job and they're they're living this new lifestyle of the way of this christianity and so all, all cities would just be in uproar and they would have riots and all these different things because the apostle paul would go in and just radically change the city from the people because he was preaching a resurrected Savior, right? He was preaching in power and grace. And so we see this in Philippians chapter 2. He's writing back to the church of Philippi. And he's going, hey, don't forget this. I want you guys to be walking together. When you're living in this new relationship, this new Christian relationship, here's the way I want you to think. Here's how I want you to stay unified. Here's how I want you to stay 
together. And this is what he says here in Philippians chapter 2. Everybody still good? Yeah. I like to ask questions. Sometimes I get lonely up here. So I'm just like, hey, I'm glad you're here with me. And this is what he says here in verses 1 through 3. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And I love this, verses 1 and 2. He's setting all of this up and he's saying, if you have any uh, sympathy for me, if you have any encouragement in Christ, if you're living by the Holy Spirit, right? He said, any participation in the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, then please have the same mindset. Be of one mind. And he gives us this picture of Christianity and he's saying as Christians we have this same mindset that is emboldened and empowered and led by the Holy Spirit, right? He's saying the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us that and unites us in that. And then he says if you want to know what's going to cause fractions, if you want to know what's going to start to cause division in your church, in your relationships, he begins to break this down. I love this because he gets crazy practical. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others as more significant than your than yourselves. And he gives us this just one verse is so slam packed because he says, when you and I start to live with selfish ambition and conceit, right? He said, you're going to start heading in your own way. Back in the day, they used to plow the fields and they would bring these big, strong oxen together, right? And that what they would do is, is they would put them shoulder to shoulder to plow the field so that they would what? Head in the same direction they would make sure they go in the same direction because they had one goal to finish this field right to plow this field did you know a fascinating thing i just learned this is a sidebar add moment but did you know they determined an acre by how much a person could plow in a day they were like oh they plowed that in a day this is about an acre yeah okay anyway so um i learned that i think in honduras as best we can so as we begin to think about this because we're headed in one direction as the the plow is moving and when you and I, what if every farmer came to that field and said, you know what, i got a plan for this field. We're going to plow it this way. We're going to go vertical, up and down, up and down. Next farmer comes in and goes, nope, we're going to go horizontal. We're going to go this way. Nope, I heard diagonal is the best, right? And we're going to start plowing this field diagonal in a way. And you know what, what if we tie the oxen one this way and one that way? Let's see what happens, right? But you and I know enough about physics that this is going to start to pull and break the plow, right? But God is saying the reason why selfish ambition is because if you have a plan, you have a plan, you have a plan, I have a plan. I have, I mean, we All of us come together and go, this is what's most important. This is what needs to happen, right? We're all going to ready, set, break, and turn and go off in our own directions, right? That's why the individual, we can't determine what truth is, right? That God has given us a truth system, a value system, so that we can walk in unity. So that we can walk together. And God is saying, you're going to start to see division in any relationship when somebody is all they're concerned about is their own selfish ambition. If all they're bringing to the table is, here's what I want to accomplish. Here's what I would like to do. And this is what we're going to do. This is what our family is going to do. This is what's going to, right? And only the selfish ambition that is presented is there. You're going to start to see the division take place, right? Because we're not unified in that. I mean, just imagine a friendship. 
Who wants to be the friend to a person who always is worried about themselves? Right? Every time you talk to them, they, they want you to know about, hey, this is what I got going on. I'm on my grind. I'm on my hustle. I'm getting ready to take this happening. Right? Like all of these different pieces. And I looked up this definition. And, it, and, it, and as you think about selfish ambition, in fact, in the original language, it's described as rivalry. Rivalry. Where's college football? And I can't even say that word. Rivalry and hostility. So much so because it creates hostility. And then vain conceit is excessive pride in oneself. Excessive pride in oneself. That it's about me. And we see this, this motivation to elevate oneself or put one's own interest above everyone else, right? That I have a plan. This is what I want to happen. And we see this begin to happen. And if you notice, if somebody is deeply rooted in themselves, a lot of times they will begin to create this self-esteem that has no foundation in reality. Right? They have this idea of this is how life is supposed to be and this is what I picture in my mind. And you're looking at them, you're like, wait a second, is that even reality? Is that even happened, right? And you begin to see this play out in our relationships and our lives. And what Paul is trying to tell you and tell me, he's saying, hey, we need to be careful. We need to help us to understand that it's not just about us, but there's a bigger picture here because God is always always trying to get us to take our eyes off of ourselves and put our eyes on him because of what he wants you and I to realize and what he wants us to do especially in our relationships is he wants us to live for something that's bigger than ourselves he wants us to see this picture he's saying I'm calling you to so much more and it's so easy. And, and honestly, in our, in our Western culture, uh, it, we live in an individualistic culture where it's on the individual. If you and I were to travel to India, a lot of their decisions as a family are made as a family because they have a community-based kind of decision, this community-based of way of life. They don't even really make a decision. Well, I got to talk to my family, you know, I got to talk to my community. But for you and I, the individual is elevated, Right. It's what the individual thinks. And if it's true for that one individual, then it's got to be true for them. And it doesn't have to be true for you. It doesn't have to be true for me. But if we're honest and we kind of play that out a little bit, right? Not everybody makes the best decisions. I, I, I really don't want your truth to be my kid's truth. I'm sorry, right? Like, like there's, just, there's many things. And I think if we spend enough time with people we'll begin to realize, like, wait a second, that, that can't be right. There's got to be a truth that we can all cling to, that we can all move towards. There, there's got to be this one driving thing that we can all unite on and say, no, it's not about me. And in fact, it's, I, I do have a desire, right? I do have an ambition. I, I do have a hunger to get better and to grow and to provide for my family. This is not what God's talking about. God is saying when we take that and we place it above every other person in our life, right? Because we've got to be careful because a lot of times, I mean, I'm on Instagram and all that kind of stuff too, and there's a lot of videos out there saying, hey, you know what? If everybody leaves you, that's okay, you're the lone wolf. You make it happen, right? Like all of these things. And God's going, wait a second. Because if you and I were to look around at our life, what are some of the most important things, really, 
It's the people who are around us, right? Those are the ones who bring us the most joy. Those are the things that we, when we're really just filled up because we can accomplish and get money and houses and all of these different things, but truly, right, we can have the biggest house we could ever imagine. We can be on May River in a $5 million house looking at the river. It may be cool for like two days. Like, oh, this is awesome. I can see the view. I just saw a dolphin. But after about two days, you're like, huh, this is kind of lonely. I wish somebody was here to share this with me. I wish somebody could, you know, right? And all of a sudden, we're back again. Because I will argue that you and I were created for community. In fact, God in Himself is three persons in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In Himself, He is community. It's just this who He is, and He creates us to live in community. He wants us to live for something bigger than ourselves. So how do we do that? How do we live for something bigger than ourselves? And then He continues on here in verses 3 and 4, and they're so good. He says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also into the interest of others. And if you're taking notes here, humility is a key ingredient for healthy relationships. Humility is looking out for the interests of others. And he says, if you want to walk in unity, he is saying, don't walk with the selfish ambition as your main point, your main goal. In fact, what I want you to do is walk in humility and count others, others as more important than yourselves. And can we be honest in our world today, counting others as more important than yourselves? I bet we're even kind of feeling the tension right now, right? Going, is that right? Like, should I really, should I look out for me? Should I make sure, I, right? Like, right? We feel the tension in that. And God's going, if you want to know how to truly have a healthy relationship, if you want to know how to truly walk and experience the fulfilling relationships that I have created you for, it starts with realizing, hey, I'm going to place their needs above my own. I'm going to serve is my first mindset. And there's this amazing story in Luke chapter 14 where Jesus is talking to all these religious leaders and they invite him over to a banquet and they're kind of fighting over the seat of honor and they're kind of going together and Jesus begins to tell the story in true Jesus fashion and he kind of just, he loves to ruffle feathers especially for the super religious that are in the room. And so he's standing there and he's telling this story and he's like, you know, when you're sitting at the banquet, let me tell you what's wise. Instead of walking in and going, ooh, how y'all doing? The guest of honor is here. How you doing, guest of honor? And you go sit down in the guest of honor seat. I'm going to borrow this right here. Cassie's okay. I'm going to take this chair. Thanks. She didn't even know she was going to be in the sermon. And he says, don't walk in. The guest of honor seat. Walk in and go, this is my seat. I'm sitting in the guest of honor seat. I'm so, I'm here how you guys doing, right? He said, because if you're not the guest of honor, the host is going to come and go, <clears throat> excuse me, sir, you're not the guest of honor. I need you to stand up. In fact, your seat's down there at the end of the table. And now you've got to get up in front of everybody and you're humiliated, right? And you've got to go down to the end of the table and you've got to sit. In fact, Jesus says, walk in. Everybody else is the guest of honor. You take the lowliest seat and you sit at the lowliest seat. And when you sit at the lowliest seat, and if in fact you are the guest of honor, guess what? The host is going to come in and go, uh, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, little one. You're the guest of honor. 
your seat is over here at the head of the table. And then you stand up and you're like, how y'all doing? I'm just going to the guest of honor, right? Like, uh, guest of honor, right? All, and all of a sudden, I'm not exalting myself. Y'all got me too excited. I'm throwing water around. I'm not the guest of honor. The host has come and Jesus gives this one-liner and He says, He who exalts themselves will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. And Jesus has come to flip all of this upside down. And He says, don't make it your selfish ambition to enter into a room, to enter into a relationship and go, guess what? Your Savior is here. The guest of honor is here. No, He's saying enter into relationships with the foundational mindset of you're the guest of honor. You're here. Imagine if you and I entered into our relationships and we said, you're the guest of honor. Who would want to come over to our house? We, our neighbors would probably be lining up, right? Like, I want to go to their house. Every time I go to Alan and Bunny's house, I feel like the guest of honor. They just, they listen to me. They're there for me. Imagine if we go to school at USCB. I walk into my class, and the person who sits next to me, they're like, you know what? This class kind of stinks. But the person who sits next to me, they treat me like I am the guest of of honor. This is amazing. This is incredible, right? And it begins to change our mindset. And I will tell you, there is some tension there because you may ask, well, maybe sometimes won't I get taken advantage of? Probably so. There may be sometimes. But if you and I are both Christians and we're both trying to act like the other person is the guest of honor, now we're taking care of each other. And we're not, we're, I'm taking care of you, you're taking care of me, and I'm not worried about myself. I'm worried about the people that are around me, and we're all being taken care of in this community style, right? That is co totally contradictory to the world that is around us. And people begin to look in and go, wow, what is that? That's like another level. That must be, this is like out of this world. What is this? And you're like, ah, this is the way heaven functions. Can we show you a little bit about my Savior? Can I show you a little bit about Jesus? Because this is how he has called us to live. And he's saying, if you want to truly live in unity, of having the same mindset, to be of one accord, it's when you and I can take the focus off ourselves of selfish ambition and going, you know what? I really believe that God's called us to live this way. And we see this because we even see the golden rule. In Matthew chapter 7 on Sermon on the Mountain, Jesus says this, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Because the tension that you and I are going to feel is, is when they start to do this, then I will start to do it as well. Right? We may look at our lives and go, well, I'm going to do this. And God is saying, hey, look, you may even have to take the first step. Do unto others. Right? That's our action first for what you want them to do to you. Right? If I want people to be more gracious to me, I need to be more gracious. If I want people to have mercy towards me, I want to show more mercy to those around me. If I want to be held accountable to God's Word, I need to be willing to walk in that kind of community with the people who are around me as well. And God is saying the golden rule is, is that you and I begin to live this way, begin to foster that in our lives, right? And then we begin to see it begin to happen. And this is so good in Philippians chapter 2 because Paul gives us this picture. And then Paul is not giving this, us this picture like a hollow chocolate Easter bunny, right? Where you bite into it and go, oh, there's no substance here. 
Now this thing is like full, jam-packed, all the way through, solid, I just found the golden egg, kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like right here, kind of peace, because in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, God Himself lived His life this way. Look at this picture that He gives us in verses 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though He was in the form of God, did not count equally with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself. Ooh, you want to talk about some of the most convicting piece of Scripture in the Bible right here. He emptied, we're talking about God, Jesus who is God? He was in heaven. Did you know there were beings created just to fly around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Jesus left that, emptied himself and came in the form of a human. And we see this over and over again where he did not come, Mark 10, 45, for he did not come to be served, but to serve others. And to give his life as a ransom for many. If there was anybody who lived on this earth who deserves to be served, it's Jesus. But he didn't come onto this earth with that kind of mindset. He said, no, I'm emptying myself. And I'm going to come walk in. And when it, the woman in John chapter 4 at the well, she felt like the guest of honor that day. He's like, I rearranged my whole schedule because I wanted to talk to you. I need, I want you to hear this message, right? This is how Jesus lived his life. He says, emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient uh, to the death of the cross, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, bestowed him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? We see that Jesus humbled Himself and Scripture interprets Scripture and it builds on itself. And when He said in Luke chapter 14, Jesus Himself teaching, He who will humble Himself will be exalted. He was saying, I'm going to show you this. I'm not just telling you. I'm going to lead by example. I'm going to walk through this. I'm going to give my life on a cross and then I'm going to resurrect again in three days and then God is going to exalt me, right? We see this picture. I mean, imagine this scene. Can we just talk about this for a minute? I'm enjoying preaching to you guys. I missed you guys last week. Can we just imagine the scene? Jesus has just treated his disciples this way for three years. This is how he taught them how to live in relationship. And they love Jesus. I mean, random strangers, they just, they love Jesus because of his mindset towards them. Notorious sinners who had never been to church before was like, you're different. Hold on a second. The way that you live with people, the way that you talk to people, it's different. I, I need to know what that is. And then at the end of Jesus' life, he gets his disciples together in the upper room. And God himself, what does he do? He gets on his feet. He takes his towel off his waist. And it was custom during that time for a servant to wash their feet because they were wearing sandals to get the dust off as they entered the room. Jesus takes his towel off. He gets on his knees. The Son of God gets on his knees. Peter is so uncomfortable. He's like, don't do this. Don't touch my feet, Jesus. This is not it. And Jesus is going, oh, this is why I've come. You need to see this. I'm placing you above myself right now. And I, he begins to serve and to wash. 
their feet. He's like, Peter, today you're the guest of honor. I am washing. I need you to know what this feels like to get, your, to get served, to get your feet washed because I'm going to ask you to do this same thing. And every time Jesus goes around the room and, and then Peter, of course, you know, he's kind of one of them all in kind of guys. He's like, if you can wash my feet, wash my whole body, Jesus. Just wash everything, right? Wash everything on me. And we see this picture. But for you and I to really understand Jesus, we have to see how he lived. And this is what Paul is trying to tell us. In order for us to build healthy relationships, we have to enter into those relationships going, you're the guest of honor. I'm here. I'm here to serve, right? And then the other person that walks in, right, walks into the room. You're the guest of honor. I'm so glad you're here, right? He said, don't walk in as the guest of honor because you could get humiliated, right? Like you could be brought down and in fact come in and pick the lowest seat. And then people come around and they're going, what are you doing? We are here for you. Like you're the guest of honor. Get up here, right? And we see this kind of reciprocal thing begin to happen in our relationships, but it takes this kind of mindset. And a lot of times you and I, it's going to have to start with us first. And I'm going to close this way. I'm going to give us two kind of takeaways. And the first thing is, and uh, if you're taking notes, write this first thing down and then we're going to get those two things. It says, when we live this way, we take the attention off ourselves and we direct it to God. Now you and I, when we start to live our relationships this way, people go, where did you get this from? How are you living this way? How do you have such a healthy relationship? And we go, you know what? This is what God taught us. He served me first. And so I want to serve them. I want to walk with them and just picture our lives who do we want that are around us? People who are so hungry, have this excessive pride about themselves and their own selfish ambition? Or do we want somebody who goes, you're the guest of honor. We're glad you're, right? Like, who do we want to be surrounded by? And as we think about that, we're going, yes, this is the, the relationships that God has called us to. And the first thing that you and I, if you don't know where to start, the first thing is it has to start with us. Because with a message like this, it's easy to go, whoo, I'm hoping they're listening. Like, hey, 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 you, you take notes on this one? What else? Good message. I'm about to share this with you, right? Like all of these things, right? Because it's so easy to do that, right? But God's going, wait, anyway, I want to start with you. I want to start in your heart. I want to change your heart. You start living this way. Do unto others, right? Do unto others as you want them to do to you. It doesn't say, hey, wait for somebody to do to you what you hope to see, right? He says, no, no, no. you start this off. You let it, allow it to start in you. And then you begin to see a change that happens in the life around us. And then, this may sound foreign and may sound crazy. If you've never had Jesus look at you and go, I love you so much that I died on the cross for you. I love you. This insurmountable, uncomprehendable kind of love that God has for you and for me. Every time in Scripture, God is always redirecting our hearts and our minds, affections, not on our love for God, but for His love for us. All the time, we read all throughout the Bible, it says, remember how much God loves you. Remember that He died for you. Remember that God is love. Remember that God first pursued us. 
And for you and I, if we just feel, maybe you feel this tension and this knot in your heart of all that I'm saying this, because all you have experienced is unhealthy, right? All you've experienced is unhealthy relationships and brokenness and heartache and turmoil. And Jesus is going, I want you just to sit and rest in my arms right now in this season. I need you. It says, come to me all who are weary, all who need rest, and you can just fall at my feet and allow me to fill you up to the point where you begin to stand up slowly and your knees get a little stronger because of what He's done in your heart. And all of a sudden, it, it will. I promise it will. He'll start to pick you up and your heart will start to fill and then it'll fill to the point where it'll become overwhelming again and then you're looking around and people are going they need to experience this kind of love too I can't believe this because God has saved me he pulled me from the trenches and now I just can't help it I need to love others this way because God has been so good to me right but it takes a moment for you and I to go God I need that the, the Bible and a relationship with God is the only place in this world where God's going to go, I need your complete surrender first. And when you completely let go and surrender, I'll begin to fill you up. I'll begin to fill your heart. Because right now you may listen to this and go, that's dumb, Daniel. That's crazy. I can't live this way. Not until we're filled by the Holy Spirit. Not till the Holy Spirit begins to change our heart and change our mind. The first step for you and I is to be filled by God. And if you've never given your life to Jesus before and you're saying, you know what, Daniel? I need Jesus. I need a relationship with Him today. I would love to pray with you. Because the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved, right? And we see this picture. It's that moment of salvation that God fills us with the Holy Spirit. It's the seal of our salvation. And it begins to show us and to change us. And sometimes we feel like i got to get my life together before I come to the Lord. And God's going, no, 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 that's not how this works. You need the Spirit in you first. Just come as you are. Come as you are. Bring every heartache, every trial, every trouble. I love this story about Job. And you guys, I'm going over, but it's okay. It's bonus time. But this, I love the story in Job. Because he loses everything. And he has this moment with God where he, I mean, he's honest. He's angry. He's asking questions. But then at the end of Job, God looks at him and, and he says, this, this is my servant. This is Job. I'm, I'm proud of him. Like, this is Job. And it's like, but he just questioned you, God. He's just, just flat out angry with you, right? But Job did all of that to God. He did all of that was prayer. All of that. was He didn't go to everybody else and start going to all these other people. No, he brought all of that anguish and he cast his cares, cast his anxieties onto the Lord. And God is going, yes, bring it all to me. I can take it. I can take every question, every piece of anger, everything that you got. Give me all of that and allow me to start to untangle and peel that layer back and peel that layer back. He's saying, I'm a big God. I can handle it. I promise. I already know you're thinking it, but just bring it to me, right? And God is saying, just trust me with it. Give me your full surrender so that I can start to fill you so that you can experience a healthy relationship. But it starts with God. 
And so if you want to give that moment today of going, you know, I've never given fully surrendered my life to Jesus. And today I want to do that. I just want to guide you through a prayer here today. So let's pray together. You can repeat after me. We're all family here. You can say it aloud. You can say it in your head. But it goes something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, Jesus, I need you. I give you my life, Jesus. I believe that you are God. I believe that you died for me, God. I believe that you rose again. God, and ask that you would save me and that you would change me. If you prayed that prayer here today, I just would love to pray for you. Just shoot your hand up. Shoot your hand up. Say, I prayed that prayer. Shoot your hand up. Say, I prayed that prayer today. I just want to pray for you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Just shoot your hand up. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm going to pray for the rest of our church here today. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we need you. This life is crazy. Our relationships are hard at times. But God, we need you to guide us. Thank you for being love. Thank you for being the standard of love, God. And I pray that you just allow that theme to play in our minds, God. The guest of honor. The guest of honor. The guest of honor, God. That we enter into our relationships with that mindset of the guest of honor. And help us to serve the way that you served us, God. Allow uh, just to work through us, flow through us, God. That the Holy Spirit would move through us as we're serving those who are around us. That we would come into our relationship not needing to be filled, but to be filled by you, Jesus. And we just allow that to flow through us into the people who are around us, God. I pray that you heal hearts. God, I know there's people that walked into this place that have wounds that are not just physical, but are also emotional, mental, God. I pray that you just would mend and work through all of that, Jesus. We're clinging to you. We're clinging to your promise, God. We're like in Matthew 7. Our house, our life is built off your solid foundation, Jesus. That you would give us wisdom. Help us to love. Help us to build healthy relationships with you, God. Help us to be honest with you. We love you. We praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship together. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.